Well, this morning's reading is on page 480, 480 of the Church Bibles, and is taken from the second book of Samuel, chapter 7, beginning at verse 5. So as you're looking that up on page 480, just a brief bit of background so you know where we are in the story. King David has just brought the Ark of God into the city of David, and this has been accompanied by great rejoicing, many sacrifices and gifts for everyone. And David is now settled in his palace, which is made of cedar, enjoying peace after conquering many enemies. He's planning to build a house for the Ark of God, which is still housed in a tabernacle or a tent. Nathan the prophet has been given a word from God to speak to David, and that's what we're about to hear in this reading. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 5. Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? Have I not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day? I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you've gone and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them any more, as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a throne for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ian. Grant, O God, that in the written word and through the spoken word, we may obtain the living word, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
David was a special man, but far from perfect. We've heard from Ian this morning that the people felt they were in a special place. The Lord had been with them and they had conquered all their enemies. They were secure. But David was mistaken about the place in history where he and his people were. There was peace for a time, but it was precarious. So David came up with this idea that he would build God a house. He was uncomfortable because he had a palace, and all God had was this tent, this mobile home. David came up with the idea. It was his plan. Too often we present to God with our own ideas and plans as we supposedly seek his will. He wanted to build a special house for God instead of a tent. Many a church has embroiled itself in ill-thought-out plans to build. The important thing for us is how does God want us to grow and build in the future? What is His will? What are His plans? What do we need to do? We need to listen. We need to listen to what God is going to say to us. And when we acknowledge that He has spoken and that he has plans that we are involved in, then we go forward. The ark was constructed as God wished it to be. It was portable, mobile, because it was to go with the people as they went through in their wanderings, as a great symbol that God was with his people. God's plans are more often than not beyond our imagination. We limit God by limiting plans that we can think of. God had plans for David, but they did not include the building of a temple. A temple, perhaps, but much greater than David could hope to dream about. A special place a wonderful promise to the people. I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. David had a great name, and we are thankful to him for all that he has left us in Scripture. But something further than that was needed for us. I will appoint a place for my people and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place. The people had a place, but God had in mind an even more special place. God promised peace. The people would no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore. And he also promised them rest. I will give you rest from all your enemies. However, the place 
the peace and the rest that God promised still lay in the future. For this was a promise for the future. God's plans went forward right through history. Together, these four elements, name, place, peace, and rest, point us back to the promise originally made to Abraham. The Lord's faithfulness to that promise is seen in all that happened in David's experience. But there was more to come. David himself was central to that future. But what the Lord would do in faithfulness to his past promises would not be completed in David's lifetime. To understand his situation, David needed to hear not only about the past, the near future, but also beyond that. David needed to fit in God's plans, as we all do. The house that was to be built was that the house the Lord would build. And the house that God had in mind was a special dynasty, a house, a royal house. This is the house that God cared about. The house of David was not to be a palace or a temple, but a royal dynasty. This house will be made by God himself. This is how he will make David's name great and also give his people peace and safety in a special place. The Lord will make the reign of David's offspring secure. In this way, the Lord would be the one who would make a royal house for David. Not David, but God. The temple was built, and the Holy of Holies within symbolized God's presence with his people, but that was always there, ready to move with people. God needed to be, and he promised to be, with his people. In Solomon's temple, they had a special place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, that mobile place that God was, that symbolized God's presence. And there was a curtain around that separated the people because of their sin. But part of the promise to David was that his lo God's love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul. And that promise is not just for David, but for us too. The New Testament message about Jesus proclaims the fulfillment of God's promises. On the day that Jesus died, the curtain that surrounded the Ark of the Covenant was torn from top to bottom. Access was made for the people to be especially present with God and for God to be especially present with him. Jesus, after his death and resurrection, ascended, and then he sent his Spirit to the people of God. The Old Testament scriptures thus find their fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus as it is proclaimed in the New Testament. And that fulfillment surpasses 
the expectations created by the promises. As Scripture says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Instances of disobedience, our sin, will not have the same consequences as they did for Saul and his kingdom. The unworthiness of David's offspring would not lead to a break in the relationship of God and his people because Jesus became part of that promise. He was born of the line of David. Jesus went forward and took upon himself the stripes of our deserved discipline. We now know that there would be a son of David who did not deserve to suffer punishment. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. They hurled insults at him. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Between David and Jesus, there was no other of, this, of whom it could be said that they were worthy. They all fell short, as we do. However, the line of David's offspring was never rejected, and the Lord did not go back on his choice. Isaiah says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. At Christmas we sing, Once in royal David's city stood a lowly cattle shed. The house of God became a cattle shed. The love of God is a love so much that he is prepared for that to be his house so that we could have a special house in the future. Jesus gave up his place in heaven so that we might have a place there with him. He was the offspring of David in whom the purpose of God would finally reach its end. As promised, the son of David would build a house for the Lord's name. It would not now, however, be a temple, but it would be his church. Together, as his church, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Those whom Jesus would gather to himself would become a spiritual house of which the temple built by Solomon was only ever a shadow. 1 Peter tells us, 
You are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. We see a new, a different understanding of the promise made to David in that reading that was read to us this morning. The promise was a name. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The promised name, the promised place, Jesus on the eve of his death would say to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. That place promised was the place that Jesus would lead us to. There was a promise of peace. Shortly after promising a special place, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. And finally, the fourth promise was of rest. Jesus says to us, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Jesus Christ. Do you remember the peace and rest that fell upon you when you gave your life to God? There was another promise in Scripture in the book of Ezekiel, which is uh, pertinent to this morning. I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you. No more temples of stone. God lives in the hearts of those who put their trust in his Son. As we move towards the baptism of Isaac and Ira, let us remember the promise of God to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Now I'd like to talk to some of the children that are here with us this morning. What do we need water for? 
Have you been planted there? <laughs> that is exactly right. Exactly. What's your name? I need water to grow food. You really, I will need food to not die. What, what's your name? Alexander. Alexander. Alexander the Great. What's your name? Sam. Sam. We need water to drink because without water we would die, as Alexander says. What else do we need water for? Hold on. Give your brother a chance. Do you want a chance? What else do we use water for? What did you do this morning when you got up? You brushed your teeth. You. With water, you use water. We use water to wash ourselves, to make us clean. Hands up any of the kids who have never done anything wrong in their lives. Well, I guessed as much, Alexander. <laughs> All of us get things wrong. Is that right, Valentine? Do you get things wrong sometimes? Just say yes. <laughs> and we need to be forgiven for those things. And that's what the water symbolizes in baptism this morning. The water... The water symbolizes the water being used to wash clean. Jesus has made it possible for all the things that we do wrong or whatever we do wrong in our whole lives, we will be forgiven. They're washed away. And the water also gives us life, a special kind of life. Alexander, how long do you want to live? Do you want to be 76? <laughs> 76? I always thought 76 was a long way in front of us tomorrow for me. <laughs> but God loves us so much, He wants us to live forever. Not in these bodies, but in special bodies given to us that will last forever. The, bapti the water of baptism promises us New life, eternal life, life that will last forever. When Jesus was baptized, does anyone know where Jesus was baptized? I thought you might know, Alexander. <laughs> it's on a hill. And what was running by the hill? that had water in it. A river. It was called the River Jordan. And Jesus was baptized by his cousin John, who was called John the Baptist. <laughs> and when Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And God sent to Jesus in the form of a dove, his Holy Spirit. That's God's special way of coming into our hearts and lives. And we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would come into the life, lives of Isaac and Ira this morning. That he will be there to look after them, to guide them, 
in their lives, their new lives, their eternal lives. Just before Jesus gave his life for us so that we could have that new life, he went up with a couple of his disciples on a mountain, and he was transfigured. And the same thing happened. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. Do not give him a list of demands, but listen to him. Jesus said, I am the way. If we want to know the way, then we should listen to him. His disciples says, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the God except through me. We look forward to a special place. And Scripture tells us a little about that special place. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In that place there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. He will, as promised, be with them. And they will reign forever and ever. Now we're going to sing our next song, He is Exalted. Wait for the musicians to come. Yeah. <laughs>